Welcome to Leadership Conversations with Josh Reich and Casey Sees. We have the conversations leaders want to have so they can win at leadership. Now, on to our show. Welcome to another episode of Leadership Conversations. I'm one of your hosts, Casey Cease, along with my friend Josh Reich. And today uh, is going to be a fun day talking about the identity of a leader. Josh, how's it going, man? Good, man. It's good to be back here again. And yeah, today, I mean, most of the time we talk about leadership, we talk about what a leader does. And we focus on results. Most leadership books out there um, focus on casting vision, building teams, setting budgets. Um, but today we want to talk about who a leader is and, and how, you, how you walk that line of your leadership identity. And so Casey, when you think about leadership identity, what are some of the things when you hear that phrase, um, what are some things that come to mind or how do you define leadership identity? You know, Josh, I think a lot of, a lot of how we are comes from who we believe that we are. And that, that is the foundation of what we're talking about when we talk about the identity of a leader, the leaders, um, you know, we are, we are serving in a role to accomplish certain goals and lead an organization to certain places of faithfulness and success. And so a lot of times it's very easy for those in leadership positions to become the leader. I remember that, that old movie with Eddie Murphy in it called coming to America and he's standing in McDowell's, which is a knockoff of McDonald's. And basically he says to the person, he says, I am job. I am job, right? And he w- he wanted the job at the thing, and and I always that always runs through my head when I find myself allowing who I am and how I am to be determined by what I do, um, because we should allow who we are and uh, to af- inform how we are in what we do. But a lot of times, what we do informs the who and how, and so yeah. we get that all out of whack. And so that, that's kind of the initial thing of, especially as a follower of Jesus Christ, that the Bible says very distinctly who I was outside of Christ. I was dead in my sin. I was separated from God. I was deserving of wrath, but God, because of his great grace and his mercy and his love through his son, Jesus Christ adopts me in as his son. And then the Bible has things that it says that we are because of that. And and so what I'm coming to as, as a leader in any regards is, is I begin with, well, whoever made us then has a right to determine to identify us. And what the Bible says is that God, through his adoption of us, through his son, Jesus, as followers of Christ, um, has a new way of looking at us. We, we are now more than conquerors. We are now um, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. We are co-heirs with Christ. We are representatives of him and ambassadors of him in this world. And so um, beginning to understand who we are and whose we are helps us determine how we are so that it affects what we do. But again, like I said, most of us uh, fall into the trap of what we do being the determining factor of how we are and who we are. Well, and if you think about it, especially like in church planting circles, um, in business circles, we often focus or identify with, okay, well, how big my business is, how big my church is, how much money came in, that, that shows my value. Right. Um, and, and then we'll connect our value um, to who we are as a leader. Um, we connect our value to the things that we're accomplishing then. And so then our, our perceived feelings about our value rises and falls based off of those things. You know, I mean, this is why most pastors are very depressed on a Monday morning because, you know, giving wasn't what they hoped. Attendance wasn't what they hoped or they launched this new initiative or when somebody launches a new product and it doesn't go the way that they 
hoped it would go. And so they feel less of a leader um, because of those things. Right. Absolutely. And, and that's, I mean, that's exactly where my point that I'm coming from, that really, if, if we are content in Christ, like the Apostle Paul talked about in Philippians, um, you know, he talks about for he has learned or grown to be content, whether with much or with little. I think that's the heart um, for any believer, but also for any leader where we, we learn contentment on a different grid. Because I think a lot of us believe that success um, in church planning is nickels and noses, right? The, the amount of money that we're bringing in and the number of people involved, right? And we, we can say, well, also conversions and baptism, sure, but it still falls under noses if we're not careful. Um, yeah. Additionally, um, we then take into consideration as a leader of who's following me, who, who am I leading outside of my own little, little group or my own little tribe? I think we can get wrapped up in all of that. And so we, our, our emotions, our well, sense of well-being, our joy is then tied to or conditioned by um, those type of things. When really, if you, if you understand scripture appropriately, um, believers are called success by, uh, by God's standards is faithfulness. Are we being faithful to God? Are we being faithful to God by how we steward our gifts? Are we, are we being faithful to God by how we manage our money and our time and our resources? That's really more the idea of success, but it's very easy to get wrapped up in this idea that success is contingent upon performance and results. And, and, and I would just argue that the journey I want to invite leaders onto is reframing that conversation completely. Yeah. And I think, you know, when I think back over my leadership journey, I mean, cause this is something that you'll always wrestle with as a leader, especially Absolutely. if you're just like a hard driving leader. But I remember, you know, kind of getting just really prideful and thinking, Oh, well, that's not the way that I think I'm not intimidated. Um, you know, by somebody else being successful or, you know, I don't really wrap my identity up in my job or my church or company. And then I was away on vacation one week and one of the other guys on our team preached for me and everybody loved it. It went really well. And I was reminded of, oh, wait, I really do find a lot of my identity in what I do because am I able to handle when somebody else succeeds? Am I able to handle when somebody else is maybe more talented than I am at something? And that's a hard, that's a hard thing to navigate as a leader. Absolutely. And, and that comparison game is hugely uh, enticing, especially if you, you choose to compare yourself with someone that you are as good at or better at at certain things, right? But the problem is, is then we are cheapening the standard, right? Well, what is the goal of a, of a follower of Jesus is to be um, become more like him. And so when we when we cheapen that process to not becoming the best that God has called us, wired us, and saved us to be, um, but rather we are comparing ourselves to uh, another fallible human being, um, it, it it gives us some sort of benchmark. Now, now, don't get me wrong. Like I I played drums growing up, and I had a friend named Mike York, and Mike was a beast on the drums. Like he's a kid that would listen to like Led Zeppelin albums and like memorize um, all the you know the drum beats and. Pearl Jam, like he was a better drummer than the Pearl Jam drummers early on, and, and at least in my mind. And so I wanted to be like him. And guys like him made me want to quit, but it made me practice harder and I got better, right? And so there, there is some, some positive things of, of finding other leaders that you can, 
grow and be challenged by. But, but I think that the danger is what you're talking about is getting into this comparison game where our sense of well-being and our sense of success is gauged upon how we're doing in comparison with them. And then if they're having success, we don't rejoice because, hey, Christians, we're on the same team, uh, just memo. Um, but also we get wrapped up in the fact that, hey, I'm not as good as or what if, you know, what is their success? If they're successful, does that mean I'm failing? Um, it, it's a very dangerous trap to get into. And, and many of us fall into that trap. You know, and I think too, with that comparison, one of the things that keeps leaders stuck is that um, because our identity gets so wrapped up in what other people think about us, or, you know, I had a friend tell me recently, he said, I get stuck because I'm wondering if I appear successful to other people, like not even wondering if he is successful, just if he appears successful. Right. And so when that happens, then, you know, we, we stop taking some of those risks that we took when we first started our business or started our church. and, And we, and we start to get into this, well, I have to maintain and keep this success when, you know, a lot of that risk taking, a lot of those like big prayers and big hopes and big visions were the things that drove a lot of the success when we got started. That's right. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think in, in part of what we're going to talk about in later episodes is, you know, setting goals and, and planning. And I think, I think we, it's important to have goals or stretch goals, things that we want to reach towards. But again, I mean, I, I think there's so much that's learned through failing as well. And, and nobody wants to hear that. But, you know, I, I had a friend that was preaching at our church recently, and he, he quoted, you know, from Job in the first chapter where Job says, naked and I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That when, you know, our, our success isn't so much on, you know, the metrics that we put in our mind, but how we face the realities of life and how we face the realities of leadership. I think that's what makes a great leader isn't just, you know, winning all the time, but how do we deal with losing and how do we deal with heartache and how do we deal with the frustrations along the way? Yeah. So, I mean, what are some ways to see your identity has wrapped up? Because I mean, the reality is our identity is always going to be wrapped up to a degree in what we do in what we accomplish, but how do you know when it begins to become unhealthy? Well, I mean, it, it, let's start. Let's start with Mr. Obvious answers, okay? One, if you're depressed, like literally, not just like a day, not like Monday morning blues after you preach, but you're down for weeks at a time because giving and attendance has been down, then you might be an addict to identity being found in performance. Or if you're becoming unbearable because of the success that your organization is having then you might be wrapped up in your identity. Um, one of the people that I greatly respect um, in how they've dealt with uh, the appearance of success is uh, the president of Acts 29, Matt Chandler. Um, and, you know, I don't spend day in and day out with Matt, but I've known Matt a long time. And um, Matt's still Matt when you get with him. I mean, he definitely has more pressures, more expectations, um, even through cancer. But by and large, he has led the way in in making hard decisions and leading well in the midst of some great success in some really hard situations. Um, and so I think the, the grid of knowing you're wrapped up in there is like how you are and, and who you are is greatly affected by the temper, temperature of your current organization. Uh, I think it could get wrapped up. Another thing I would think through is, is having just some honest friends in your life that love you no matter if you're successful or not. Um, and your wife or your husband, if you're in leadership, 
you know, saying, hey, is, is there something different about me? Is there something rubbing off on my kids because of the way I'm carrying myself? Um, and, and, you know, is there, is there more of a sense of arrogance and pride? And, it's, and a lot of times for many of us, it's so gradual that we need an outside perspective to really get that in place. Yeah. So what are some things you can do then to keep that in check and to continue being a healthy leader? Because really at the end of the day, this is about leadership health. The healthiest leaders have a good framework and a good perspective on their identity as a leader and how it relates to their role. So here's how it works for me, man. Am I replicating myself? Am I creating new leaders? That, that's one of the ways that I, I know it's, it's a healthy thing, that it's not, I'm not hoarding all the leadership responsibility, but I'm multiplying myself by investing in other leaders, by raising up other leaders, I think is one way to continue to do that. Number two, are you creating a, an egocentric or person-centric person um, environment where if you pulled out for a week or 12 weeks on sabbatical or something like that, would it still go? Um, you know, it, because if, if our identity is wrapped up on it, then we, we are the cog that makes the thing move. And if we're not there, it falls apart. We like to feel needed, but the reality is that's not good leadership. A good Christian leader is one who replicates themselves in such a manner that the leaders they're producing are far more successful even than themselves. I mean, think of the, you know, you think of Charles Spurgeon's testimony, right? There's some forgettable guy with no apparent gift in preaching, preaching that, that day when the Lord quickened the heart of Charles Spurgeon and saved him. And then Spurgeon went on and really, um, you know, impacted the world and still in some ways has his ministry has. And so I, I would think, you know, one of the ways you do that is like, Hey, part of the way that I keep myself from getting too big for my britches is to invest in other leaders, to raise up other leaders, to see other people have opportunities to lead and create entrepreneur uh, opportunities for the people to lead. Um, you know, in addition to that honest reflection with people in your life. I think the other thing too, is we put such a high, um, a high level on the idea of calling. Right. And I think, this actually works against leaders a lot of the time because our vision that we have for our organization, our church, our nonprofit um, is our personal, we, we make that our personal vision. You know, it comes out of our story. It's a big part of who we are. It comes out of the journey that we've lived in life. And that's an important thing. But then what it does is it makes it difficult for us to separate the difference between a calling and a job. And right. one of the things that I tell pastors a lot, and, and I get a lot of pushback about this, but, but being a pastor, being a leader is a calling that you have on your life, but it is also a job. That's um, right. It's a job that, that the day comes to the end. It's a job that one day you'll probably retire from and do something different. Um, in our twenties and thirties, we don't, think about that. We don't think, Oh, you know what? Like there's a day that I won't be standing on a stage preaching every Sunday, or there's a day that I'm not owning, um, this t-shirt company. There's a day that this will end. And, and when you can have that healthy view and, and that doesn't, that doesn't diminish the importance of calling or what God has placed on your heart. But I think it helps you to have a healthier view of who you are as a leader and what you do day in and day out. Absolutely. No, I mean, that's, that's key, man, because uh, I, I, I've seen it so many times where guys just get so, or, or ladies in, in jobs, they, they become their job and they don't like, you know, in our previous episode, we talked about loneliness, but they don't know how to relate or anything else because that's all they know. And I've fallen into that trap before with business and in ministry. And we, we've got to realize that, Hey, you know, there were moments where Jesus slept 
right? He, yep. he went away. There are times where Jesus went away to be in solitude with his father. And so some of the ways that I do that is, you know, I try to take one day a month for a personal retreat. There's a beautiful library here in Houston called the Lanier Theological Library. Um, and I haven't done it in many months. So this is convicting me. So that's a goal of mine in, in January. But once a month, go do that. And then once a quarter, try to take two or three days away in solitude and prayer and review. Um, and, I, you know, have some questions to ask myself to review. What am I doing to make a plan on on developing not only as a leader, but just as a person, um, you know, date regular date nights with my wife to check in, having those questions of like, what's working, what's not. Um, working with your staff saying, hey, do you have everything you need for me to be able to, um, you know, to execute in your role well? You know, all these things, I think, um, planning and praying and thinking and being reminded of your own humanity. I, I remember I was talking to a friend of mine named Chad Carter, who uh, started a ministry called Here Come Better Days. He now is uh, counseling in Franklin, Tennessee with some uh, both Christian and non-Christian artists and celebrities and things like that. But I remember he was going through Psalm 23 and he says, for the Lord makes me to lie down in green pastures. And he says, if, if you won't take the time to slow down and lie down, the Lord will make you do it. Um, partly for your good, but partly to remind you that you are not God. And that's ultimately the idolatry we've got to be careful of is while we're calling called, especially in ministry, we're called to lead people towards relationship with God. We are not God himself. We're still a sheep. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And so as you think about moving forward, then besides, you know, taking one day, um, a month, a date night, I mean, we've talked about community, and, and relationships, you know, one of the things that I think is important for leaders to understand is that if you don't get a handle on your identity and have a healthy view of it, it will ultimately keep you from being all that the leader that you can. Right. Um, it will ultimately keep you stuck. It will, you know, cause we love to be around healthy leaders who have a healthy picture of their identity. Right. We, we want to follow those people because one of the things that, that we see in those people is that we look at them and we see this healthy identity and, and, and it causes us to believe or think that they could help us have a healthy identity in our own life. And they, they could help us because this really gets at most leaders. One of the reasons they get wrapped up in the wrong things with their identity is that they feel lost outside of being a leader. That's right. That's right. I mean, and if you're not in that role, they don't know how to be. And I've seen that with people that have come to the church. Uh, I had a I had a family that came to our church several years ago, and they've since moved on. But uh, he was coming out of pastoral leadership, and you know he needed a break, wanted a break. I mean, he didn't disqualify himself per se, but just some substantial changes that happened. And when he got here, he didn't know how to be. I mean, he didn't just know how to be a church, and he got really frustrated. I think along the way, and ultimately, I think led him to move on and go somewhere else because he just didn't know how to how to do deal with it. And that, that was very, very difficult for him. Yeah, absolutely. So Josh, overall, I mean, it's really important for us to, as leaders, to be mindful of where we're at and remember that what we do isn't what identifies us, who we are, whose we are, how we then live into that affects what we do. And, and that's one way to keep that in place. So uh, for the listeners here who are wondering like, okay, well, am I, because uh, you and I were talking uh, a while back and, you know, leaders aren't, aren't the most self-aware, like, I don't, well, I'm not that guy, but this is for this guy. But, but here's some questions you can ask uh, maybe your spouse or someone, a, a close friend of yours. Uh, to see if, if, you know, if you're on track with your identity. The first question I would, I would have you ask your spouse or someone close to you is, where do you see me 
finding my identity? Like, where do you see, observe me finding identity? What makes me glad? What makes me sad? Do you find, do you see me um, rising and falling with the success or failure of our organization or whatever? Um, and, and then be quiet and allow them to speak. And if, if you haven't been a good listener in the past and they balk, you might want to say, no, seriously, I need you to love me enough to speak clearly and speak freely about this. And the second question I would ask is, in what ways do you see me needing to show grace to myself? Um, a lot of times leaders um, lean into this false sense of identity and, in, in, you know, finding their identity in what they do and are really hard on him or herself by the mistakes that are made and everything else. And so it's really good feedback to say, Hey, where, where do you see a need for me to show grace? And then on the flip side, I would also ask your, your spouse or someone close to you, in what ways do you see me um, needing to show more grace um, towards you? Uh, because I think when we become our job or we become our role or we are identified as our leader, we have a tendency when people around us aren't, we're not perceiving them adding value to us in that identity to really um, put uh, some pre undue pressure on them. And so again, where do you see me finding my identity and what ways do you see me needing to show myself grace? What ways do I need to grow in showing you or others grace? Anything else you would add to that, Josh? No, and I just think, you know, one of the things that causes us to have an unhealthy identity as a leader is we think that it rises and falls on us. And it, and this keeps leaders from building strong teams. It keeps leaders from trusting God. Um, and, and to just remember that, you know, whatever it is that you feel called to, you know, that, that if God has called you to start this, this ministry, this nonprofit, this company, that that he will bring around the people, he will bring around the resources and the time that's needed to get it off the ground and get it to the place that he wants to take it. And, right. and to just let go of the pressure that you put on yourself um, as a leader to complete that and to make that happen. It doesn't rest on you. Absolutely. And that, that's the key that you have to hold on to is that ultimately um, there, there's someone much larger than you guiding the course of the organization or ministry or nonprofit that you're a part of. Your call is to be faithful and to be obedient and to uh, find joy in the process and enjoy it. Um, and, and that's where we, we keep from losing ourselves. Thank you for listening to another episode of Leadership Conversations with Josh Reich and Casey Cease. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, head on over to iTunes or Google Play to subscribe to our podcast. Also, head on over to our website at www.leaderconvos.com.